I'm pulling up the discussion points. Welcome to episode three of Between Two Sheets. Uh, I'm Wesley Mason, and my co-host tonight is Nolan Axton. Hello, everybody. It's, uh, we're, we're sans clay this evening. We are, yeah. I think uh, we teased him too much, and he finally... He didn't even respond to our text it, messages. No, not once. Like, from Monday, I think we started talking about doing this episode yeah. uh, Friday, December 9th. Yep. On Monday Which is a week, week ago. We're recording Friday night. Yeah. Friday night, yes. Um... That was the last time I heard from Clay. I haven't even seen him. I hope he's okay. I did see him on Monday when I opened up leagues there. Oh. Uh, Beth is currently, so he was here. Yeah. So he's fine. Yeah, he's I doing mean, okay. He's All right. Okay. Good, yeah. good. Um, and he, he was asking for it. The teasing, he was asking for it. He started off last podcast being a real jerk. <laughs> I said viewers. I know they're listeners, but everybody knows what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> I, for the for the viewers, uh, Nolan just said that we were getting ready here too. So he's uh, he he pushed his own button there. He's like, God, yeah. I said it again. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I meant to say it that time. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I I knew what I was going with there. Um, it's just kind of another backhanded stab at, at Clay because he's not here. Yeah. Our yeah. resident agricultural reporter. Is it kicking him when he's down when he can't defend himself, or is there a different term? Uh, it could be whatever. Okay. Just hitting him where it hurts. Well, he's not here. And uh, while Clay's not here, um, since he is our, our resident registration guy, I will uh, uh, do that bit here. Um, so quick update on the leagues and uh, uh, your friendly club reminders. Um, we had all of our exhibition weeks this week. Um, I was only at the Monday one, and in, uh, a tradition of mine is to always have a conference the first week, so I didn't even go to my, my Wednesday league night. Um, so I think we have 15 teams on Monday, we have 21 teams on Wednesday, and 13 teams on Thursday for a grand total of 49 teams. Um, historically, uh, my eight years or whatever with the club, um, that is like right back to, I think, like our peak. I, I think the most we ever had was 52 or 53, and then some people curl two leagues, so I don't know if it's like total people is 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 you know, back where it was pre-COVID and stuff, but uh, good but turnout. Still a solid showing, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. plus, um, you know, we have that military league. I don't know if I've, I've mentioned that really here a lot we, before, um, but that's actually looking like we're going to have a pretty good turnout for that, I was, too. I was um, going to say, we mentioned that in episode one, that that's something you do. Do you want to touch on that a little bit tonight? Uh, good starts in the new year and we're getting very close to the new yeah, year. Yeah, we are. And uh, additionally, um, so so we have a military league here at the uh, uh, Minot Curling Club. Um, it is open to, I, I would say, any military personnel. You know, I really advertise hard on the uh, Air Force Base um, and try to get those guys down here. Um, but really, any active duty military, we'd, we'd let in there and spouses, uh, you know, and if you got a friend or something too, uh, you want to get in there, you know, we'll let one of those squeak through. Um, so that gets going here. Uh, 21st is the coaches meeting. So we will have a coach meaning that will be at the Mikadoo Fitness Center on the Air Force Base. Um, you know, and they're, we're, we're an extra mural with them, um, I think. So, like, same thing. I, th- I believe they have a bowling league, and we're, we're ran the same way with that, which means, like, we have to file a little bit of paperwork with them, um, get acknowledged as, you know, like a valid, uh, I want to call it extracurricular. Um, and then the, uh, the people that want to curl in it with the Air Force, you know, you just get four to seven people. Um, I recommend more for them because they have more scheduling issues than most people. Um, and then they submit a letter to the Mikadoo there, uh, to the uh, sports director, um, and then they show up to the coaches meeting and we do a quick little rundown about how the season's going to go. Um, first Tuesday in January, we get started. Uh, we start that night with a learner curl because some of them will be brand new. Um, and then depending on time and how many teams we have, how I've done it other years with under 10 teams is we do a learn to curl and then we curl our first game that night. 
you know, uh, so they go learn and then go go do it. They curl short games because we do two short games for them. So they curl four end game, get done, curl another four end game. Um, that works out pretty well. Kind of maximizes their their ice time, you know, because if you're coming down, you don't want right, to do just two one six ends back to back. That's a, that's a little much, you know. Um, so we do two short ones. But right. I'm hoping that this is the year we get. 15 plus teams and i can do well uh, like closer to how we do our regular leagues with like one six end game or if they're real diehards maybe we'll go to one eight end game i don't know i'll probably leave it up to them we'll discuss it at the coaches meeting um i saw i had a couple teams registered for that already which is great uh, trying to get the word out earlier in the year kind of tough for me because it's like we do the the ice startup and try to get the rest of the club going and then i'm like oh yeah the military league like That's, we got to get people like one get more scoop of potatoes on the plate yeah well this time i finally managed to get an ad in the century before the december edition i think i was in the the century which is the base paper if you're unfamiliar you know uh, we got an ad in with them uh, mid-november now so it's like oh hey you got a whole month to look at that paper you know sitting in the the, the coffee table there that's a good head start yeah and it, it, what, what i'm gonna ask uh, what kind of got you wanting to start a military league was there anything in particular or was it just something that clicked one day um i actually can't take credit for that uh starting the military league was uh actually we, we used to have a curler here kyle hostetler he uh just found out about the club one day i don't know if it was facebook or ads or newspaper um and he started curling here i want to say around 2018 um so he did a season and then uh 2019 rolls around and that was this season the 2019-2020 uh that was when we started talking about it um so we uh we got that going and uh we we actually our first year was the covid year so like first year we were curling down here you know they were all in masks and stuff um and we got going in that that 2020 season there so kyle hostetler um who's since moved on i i can't remember what base they sent him to now i want to he's down south somewhere um, he was the one that was the driving force behind that, and I was kind of just uh, along for the ride. I was like, yeah, if you get all the military stuff done, I was like, I, I'll come do the ice for you. I'll sit there and I'll take dues every week, and you know, I'll teach your guys to learn to curl. Um, you know, after the first week where we do that learn to curl, they're pretty hands-off. You know, I like to uh, do... But I, I don't know, coaching or mentoring those first like month where I'll just wander around and be given advice on strategy and like, hey, I see you doing this. Maybe you should try this kind of stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, it's fun. It's laid back. Um, you know, we we give them a, a pretty decent discount compared to you know our, our other curlers, I guess. Uh, you know, we, they pay week to week. Um, so it's $10 a week. They come in, uh, give me cash, check, whatever. And then, uh, you know, we go through, it's a shortened season, but uh, they get done about the same time we do. So they'll go through and curl 10 weeks and then uh, we'll do a two-week playoff with them. Um, one gentleman did make us a traveling trophy. I, sorry, I turned to uh, look to see if it was on the wall there. It's 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 gone. He took it to re-engrave it for the second year's winners, and I I have not seen it since. It, so it's kind of a cool trophy too. It's like a like an axe handle with uh, with a curling broom head. Yes, I, and if any of the military personnel hear this, uh, 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 bear with me for what I'm about to say. I, I want to say it's called a bully stick. So they they used to have it was an implement. I want to say for beating the ice off of plane wings, oh. and it was like an axe handle, and so. You know, they that's like a traditional gift for them or trophy for for the the air basemen up here in in the northern countries. I imagine you get ice freezing on planes everywhere because it's cold in the sky. Yeah, but, uh, it's a little colder. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a. I want to say they that's call why it a mountains have stick. snow on top that's of them. Why. Oh, I've always geez. wondered. <laughs> um, yeah, the military league. Yeah, and it's it's. It's it's good times, I guess. Yeah. yeah, if you know anybody who's uh you know in the air force or guard or something and they uh, are interested in doing that, uh, it's a little bit more approachable. You know, you don't have to sign up for you know the full sixteen week league. Um, you know, and it's not a pay up front thing. And I think it's nice for you know the airmen and stuff to to have something to do in the winter that's a little bit more approachable and laid back. 
Yeah. Well, a lot of them come from down south, right? It's it's probably a sport they are very unfamiliar with, even if, if they've never even seen it before. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of people, uh, I think half of them show up just like because they think it's like a lark. You know, they're like, oh, this will be a funny thing to go do. And then they do it a couple times. They're like, well, I I, I want to win. Yeah. You know, they go from like laughing to like, well, this this is competitive. This I, means something. I want to I beat them. You know, part of it, too. Uh, it's funny for me. We've had a couple teams that were officers and a couple teams that were uh, the enlisted, you know. And so it's like, oh, it's your only chance to go and to, like, really skip <laughs> the screws to them. You know? To get back at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah it's always fun to beat your boss, right? It doesn't matter what you're doing. Yeah, I, do. I can attest to that too. My boss curls here as yeah. well. And I <laughs> try not to gloat too much if I pull a W out, See, but we don't curl in the same league anymore. So. Yeah. Mine, mine does too. Um, thankfully for me, he's a first year curler. So I think we would oh, be yeah. okay. Yeah. And yeah, it's a, to the minor automotive team. If you want to match up, let us know. Cause I am ready. <laughs> I am ready. Um, speaking, what, else, what else do we have for league updates? Uh, league starts next week. We could say that. Um, pay I don't, your dues. Pay your dues. It should course. be. It's online. Go online. Do the individual registration because that's different from your team registration. Minocurling.com. Minocurling.com. <laughs> um, yeah, so go on there. Do your individual registration. You know, we need your name, address, uh, all that fun stuff. Uh, that's mostly for insurance purposes and our USCA registration because when you're a curling club member here, you're also a United States Curling Association member. Um, and then it should link over to uh, our Square site where you can go and select the the appropriate appropriate membership for you um and then if you have your locker fee on there something to add it in pay it if you have any mistakes contact me or clay uh we're usually the ones that log into square there and can issue a refund if necessary or, or make whatever correction so. right and um still no real timeline that's the one downside of clay not being here because i know he he's the one that uploads the schedules to the website I don't know if they're up yet. I haven't had a chance to look. I don't know if the schedules are up. Um, I have seen the emails with this, the drafts of the schedules going back and forth. Um, I'm not sure if those are final finalized yet, um, but we will have them up shortly. Uh, I, I Downstairs, uh, we, me and me and Nolan came down here tonight to put a flood on. We're going to scrape this weekend. Um, I see there is schedules for next week wrote on the whiteboard already. So so we, we got matchups. Um, we'll, be, we'll be publishing that soon so you know what time to show up. Yeah, so we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. Exhibition week is over. Week start or league starts next week, I should say. Um, and with that, I guess uh, kind of leads us into the topic we wanted to talk a little bit about tonight. This is almost going to be a two part episode, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, well, we just to explain it to the, the the listeners. Um, we we wanted to talk about like hand signals and communication. Um, and uh, there's I, I so think, many ways I think, of doing that. Yeah, and we I cause we were kind of like, well, I don't think i know the right way to do it or how like the professional if there do is it. yeah a and professional I would, way. I would like to get someone who has that perspective on or at least get clay in to get more bad advice you yeah know? right so, yeah yes so. certified bad advice givers, certified bad <laughs> advice givers. yes um so we decided we're going to talk about positioning tonight uh so we'll talk about uh different positions on the team lead second third and skip um what the expectations are common mistakes how we utilize those positions um and then we'll we'll segue next week into uh hand signals hand and signals. communication i think yeah, yeah 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 so um kind of an informational episode of between two sheets um with the the two hacks of the Minot Curling Club instead of the three hacks. Uh, so where to start it off, I guess, I think we talk about the positions and how many there are to start with really is, is curling. I listed them, yeah. Yeah, there's there's four people on a curling team. Yep. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you've curled before, you're, you're probably a member of the club. So you know how that works. You got your lead, your second, your third, or co-skip, and your skip. Yeah, vice is the other one. I, I, like, I usually call them vice. Yeah. Vice, yeah. vice skip, yep, yep. Um, and they all have different uses. 
when it comes to the game of curling. A very strategic game is, is what curling is, obviously. Uh, you're, you're planning your shots out, probably two shots ahead, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when you look at the lead, in your opinion, I guess, Wes, what do you like to see out of a lead? If they can throw a guard. They gotta throw a guard. Soft weight shots, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's really. I mean, especially with the free guard rule. Um, you know, it's. I've curled a lot of leagues where usually, I mean, you stick your most inexperienced person at either one or two. You know, and uh, if you're curling with somebody who can't put anything between the hog and the back line, um, you're 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 curling from behind the whole game. Yeah. You know, if they go out there, put a guard up or two guards or guard and a draw. Um, and you have nothing in the house there, it's like, well, you better hope your seconds and thirds can make some double takeouts. Otherwise, you're, you're going to be at a, a disadvantage the whole whole end, unless there's some big mistakes in the middle. Right. Yeah, you're just going to get a mess of rocks in the house at that point, too, which makes it really tough to, to plan out how you're going to be offensive, right? So, no. yeah, I would say from the way I learned, your, your lead is setting up your offense by playing defense right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, and I would say too, uh, you know, it is nice if they can do a takeout if necessary, you know, if the other lead throws one deep, you know, it's nice when they're able to hit that, um, depending on the positioning, maybe, uh, you know, peel out or, uh, you know, stick around. But um, even in late in the game, like if you, if you got a lead and you're going to play the bang game, right. You're just going to eliminate stones. It's nice to have them. Yeah. Like if you're well. in the last end and you're up and you're like, you're just, just get junk out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Keep nothing. it open. Yep. Yep. Um, and sweeping. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's just for the lead in general. I mean, they got to spend the rest of the game sweeping. It's nice when they're able to do that effectively. You know, for the club stuff, though, you know, just do your best, I guess. Yeah, yeah. When you get a little more into the advanced talking of it, obviously, you you want some strong sweepers playing your first two spots because they're going to be the majority. Yeah, and I've liked that trend uh, watching curling where, like, you're getting bigger and bigger sweepers now, and, like, there's dudes (laughs) who are just absolutely yoked out there, you know? Yeah. it was it Northern Ontario? And I can't think of their names. Uh, the Harden brothers, EJ and Ryan Harden. Okay. They look like lumberjacks. I remember the first year I watched them curl at the Briar. This was well, probably 10 years ago at this point already. Those two dudes came out on the ice and curled against Brad Gushu, who is probably a. You mean sl- Gushi? Yeah, Newfoundland's finest. <laughs> um, he probably stands, I don't know, I'd say 5'9, five, 5'10 five, at the tallest. I don't, I don't have the stat sheet in front of me. And then you get these two six foot four dudes who probably weigh about 240 pounds of solid muscle standing right beside them. It changed the game of curling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch, that's for sure. Um, so moving on, lead throws your first two stones of the game. Next up is your your second. Real easy to follow. Well, you know, I I, we, I, I did do a little bit of prep here. We were going to also mention uh, common mistakes. Oh. One with leads. I mean, the big one, not getting your rocks. Not getting your rocks where they you know? need to be. That's the biggest thing, yep. Yeah. Um, coming up short or throwing heavy. Is the biggest thing there. Okay. Okay. Um, so moving on then to second. Mo- moving on to second. Um, kind of the same thing. It really depends on what your lead, lead does in that situation. Uh, your second, you're probably going to see a little bit more of the ability to throw the big weight. Well, I think the thing with the second isn't necessarily the big weight. The second is uh, I, pretty much all the games I curl, they're expected to draw behind something. You know, so you, you better be able to, uh, you know, hit hitting your lines a little bit more important, I think, for the second than the, compared to the lead because, you know, you want to get something protected. You know, you don't want to put a duck out there that's just going to be used against you or taken out, you know, and then they'll take your positioning behind it. Um, so a little bit more important for the second to uh, be able to hit that line, you know, and then, of course, the weight. So more more of an accurate shooter, you're saying then? Yeah, I would say that that would be, I mean, compared to, again, compared to the lead, you know, you want somebody who can really uh, hit their line consistently. Yeah. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, common mistakes with the second uh, would be missing the broom, then, I would say. Yeah. yeah. 
And that's a common mistake with a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, I mean, I it's mean, so much like it's like every business like just make your shots, make your shots. So the game will be perfect. It, it you know? sounds but, so much easier than it actually is. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I I use this in golf. I I can't remember if it was Tiger Woods saying originally, but uh, what's the hardest shot in curling? The next one you got to make. The next one you got to make. I like that. That's, that's, that's the hardest shot in curling. Is the next one you got to do. Okay. Yeah. I like that saying. I've never heard that one before, but I might use it. Yeah, I like it. It's a good. It's it's applicable for so many. You know, I get right. Like batting or shooting or curling, any sport. Yeah, yeah, any, yeah. a lot of any sport. Good, but good, it, good life I, advice. I think it, I think it sets the right tone, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, take them all serious. So, so leads and seconds, really common mistakes, are, are typically the same thing. Um, when you get into your back half of the of the team, though, that's when things really get to be a little bit more finesse. Yeah, your thirds. I uh, I would say thirds are typically they're your takeout guys, right? I mean, how how do, how do your games go? You know, yeah, usually you, my thirds they might they might do two takeouts, or usually it's a takeout draw. Takeout draw or two takeouts. Yeah, they're definitely a big weight position um, from how I grew up learning to play the game, which was a traditional Canadian way of curling, uh, which might just be a traditional way of the world and how they curl in a professional setting or even a club setting. It's it's how you would set a game up, right? You do your guards, you do your draws, yeah, and then you try to score. Yeah. So... Yeah, um, not necessarily the trickiest shots of all times, uh, depending on what part of the game you're in. That really plays a lot into how you're setting it up as well. Well, I, I suppose we haven't touched on it yet, but like, do you have hammer or don't you? Yeah. You know, that changes it a lot to, you know, if you have the hammer, you're generally trying to keep the middle open, so yep. takeout's more likely. If you don't have hammer, you know, maybe you're trying to sneak something in and you're trying to play like a little tick shot, or we haven't even mentioned raise yet. You know, a third is more likely to do a raise shot. And, and I, to circle back to, I would say the second, you know, they're... I, I probably more often would want to raise out of them than, than maybe a takeout. Yeah, bump, know? bump, and keep cover, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah or exactly. a freeze. It's like, it's like, oh, okay, like they managed to get one back there. Maybe they picked out the one we drew behind, you know, and you're like, okay, we'll raise our guard up, you know, it might be blocked for right. some reason. Yeah. Um, I think you'll see that a lot out of uh, second and third as well as, as, like I said, the freeze. Um, very underutilized shot in our club, in my opinion, but it's a very tough shot to make perfectly is to lock another stone onto the face of another stone, right? Yeah, that freeze. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like I, as a skip, um, mess that up constantly. You know, it's like well, they're coming in at the hog line. You're like, okay, like what weight does it have? Should they be sweeping? Should they not be? And, you know, I feel like I either leave it a foot short or hit it and move it six inches, you know? Right. Um, common mistakes for, for third. You know... When we wrote this up, I, I thought I was going to have more. I mean, it just goes back shots. I'm, I'm trying to think of something profound. You know, what's... I don't know. It's tough. It, it really comes down to, I think, what something we might touch on after we go through all the positions. Um, but the biggest thing, yeah, make your shots. Um, I don't know, the skip, or not the skip, the the third or vice skip. They're they're a little more responsible of reading the ice as well and knowing knowing how it's curling. I think because they're going to be in in those last couple of shots as well. They're a little more involved than the lead and second are in, in the last two stones at the end. Yeah, I mean, well, getting into the the skip part, right? Yeah, right. So they they the the third. I, I would say that that's a great common mistake. Now that you say that, yeah, them not paying attention to what the ice is doing, which is hard if you're shooting, you know, and you're you're sweeping at the same time. It's hard to get a feel for how much they're curling. Um, but you know, after you throw your stone, you know, usually the sweepers are are looking down ice. So the 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 third at that point, the vice would be expected to be calling for line. You know, maybe not for weight. Um, but definitely calling for line. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, calling for weight is, if, you, if your sweepers are timing, that's that's one way to call for weight. But your shooter's going to know the weight they threw. 
Yeah. So they're going to be calling for weight. Well, they'll, they'll know right away, you know, heavier light, right? But yeah. You're doing that fine-tuning stuff. And I, I'm guilty of this as a skip. You know, getting a skip comma six. I know a lot of those because I'm one. Right. Um, it's like you get that different perspective watching your rock move away from you than when it's coming at you. And, like, I'll misjudge weight a lot on my own rocks, you know, unless it's, like, a feel thing. Like, well, as soon as I'm sliding out, I'm like, oh, like, oh crap, it's like, start sweeping, you know. Yeah, yep. Um, and I, I guess we kind of led into the skip build or skips job now at this point um they're the ones they're they're the quarterback they're under center they're yeah. calling the shots yeah you're you're your coach quarterback and uh kicker and, all and in OC. one yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Just, uh, uh you're you wear many hats as a skip yeah sometimes referee <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um me. yeah and i mean the skips there's there's so much that can happen in a game of curling you know what's expected of the skip drop peel take out you know whatever it is it's, it's however the end was set up at that point you, yeah. you never know what you're going to do as a skip typically you don't want to be guarding as a skip i will say that, no. that means something either went incredibly they, great or terribly, terribly wrong. wrong yeah something went terribly wrong for somebody somebody yes skips throwing a guard yeah. yep yeah. yeah that's a mistake from another skip or, i think uh, back to our game against each other last year where we both missed like collectively <laughs> missed like four takeouts down the middle yeah right <laughs> just know? super super easy shots yeah <laughs> Um, that seemed to be a common theme when our team scrolled last year. Um, but the skip, yeah, he's, he's your little general. He's the guy that's, uh, planning out the end and how it's going to go. And, yep. and, um, he's really the one to listen to as far as, as what the game plan is going to be for each individual and not just the game itself. Yeah. And I would say, uh, mistake that I see most often with skips is, you know, not having contingency plans, right? Like you call a shot, somebody throws it, or if it's your own shot too, and you know, Let's say you miss wide or you miss narrow, you know, or you're heavy or deep, you know, like what's your, what's your backup plan? You know, if I miss wide and there's a rock on the back there, maybe I was trying to end up a little shorter. Well, maybe now I want to sweep it and use that as a backboard or something to get positioning, you know? Right. Um, and it's not having thought through that second step, you know, it's like, yeah, it's easy to go see that first shot, but you know, what are you, what are you doing after that? If it goes wrong or, you know, if you do make it, what are they going to do? You know, and then what's your response going to be? So, and I think that, brings us right to where I kind of really wanted to talk about yeah, tonight was who do you listen to? It's your skip. You're going to listen to your skip. And the reason is, is exactly what you just said. They're thinking two, three shots ahead. I know I am as, a, as a skip. Yeah. Yeah. You tried to try to, that's, that's the goal. Right? Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it, I, I don't know how to play chess, but uh, just the stereotype of chess, you're always, you're always thinking two, three moves ahead and you're going to have a backup plan because you don't know what the other team's going to do. No, I mean, you could have a reasonable guess at it, but yeah. yeah. Right, right. It, from Like I said, from a traditional game plan, uh, I'm going to throw this shot, they're going to throw this one. This mm-hmm. means I'm going to do this. But yeah, you, you got to be ahead of the game at that point. you you got to know what you're going to do and what you're going to do if it goes wrong, like you said. Yep. And that's, uh, that's why as a vice skip, as a second, as a lead, you need to listen to what your skip's saying or else your game plan is going to be out the window. And I think that's the biggest common mistake in the game of curling, especially for new curlers, is not listening to the guy that's making, or, or gal, the well, person that's making the plans. And, and, and I would say for new curlers, you know, half the time, we'll talk about it next week, half the time you have no idea what they're trying to tell you because they're standing 150 feet away from you, right. waving their arms at you, and you're like, what does that mean? Okay. Right, right. Yeah. And that comes down to, like, like we talked about it last week, two hand signals as far as what turn to throw, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They're the ones that are calling that. They know where they want the rock to land, or come to a rest, not to land, but come to a rest on yep. the ice. 
Um, um, well, here's here's one that's maybe more of a general. Um, but you know, as a skip, a uh, common mistake I do all the time is uh, trying to correct for someone's bad throw. You know, let's say your your lead or your second, maybe on the last end, they threw both of them wide. You know, or they were both heavy, and so then you're trying to compensate for your player. I mean, and most of the time, your player knows they screwed up, and they're trying to make those same. They're going to make the same correction. So it's yeah. Like, yeah, you were a foot wide on the last end, so I call you a foot narrow. Well, then they're trying to correct for that foot narrow because, you know, if you're just placing a guard or something out there, they might not know exactly where they want that rock to end up. So they're trusting you to put the broom and know the ice, um, you know. And you've just tried to correct for their mistake, and now you you've overcompensated, and now you're two feet, you know, to the right instead of you know where you wanted it on the left. Yeah. Right, and then you're in a pickle. Yeah, and that gets back to, you know, common mistake communication. It's like, you know, that's that's where sometimes I, I, I like to have my curlers, you know, if they're got a, if they curl with curling shoes on, they have a slider so it's quick to get up and down the ice like shoot, I'll wave them over, be like, Okay, you missed, you know, are you gonna fix that? Otherwise I'll move my broom for you. They're like, No, no, no I know what I did wrong, you know, keep calling the same shots, I'll just make them. Right, right. Um, and I think something we see too a lot with a with a lot of new curling teams is everyone is antsy to get out on the ice and they they want something to happen. Um, and you're going to have another teammate trying to tell you what to do as opposed to what your skip is trying to call. Universal, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it all comes down to that game plan and and what that guy's got in his head. Yeah. Um, and and you hear it a lot. I mean, that's one thing a team itself has to work through. That's one thing a, a curler themselves has to work through is, is understanding the physics of the game i guess you could say and and the mental aspect of the game yeah um speaking of mistakes with curlers even though we did that episode last week um what the sweeping on your team you know when when i i tell my my guys and gals i curl with i'm like if you're confident about a rock you know and you think to sweep or not to sweep you know and it's different than what i'm telling you to do stick to your guns you know it's like because i'm wrong you know and if you're if you if you're confident and you're right over the rock you know maybe you notice something i don't maybe you got a better eye on it um, so I, I wouldn't say those are necessarily mistakes all the time. Sometimes you just got to trust your players to, uh, you know, maybe know something you don't. But uh, you know, it's sure it's sure when that when the dust all settles on it, that sure is some time for some chirping at each other. Though. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's it. things can get heated. That's I for sure. I told you to get off. It was gonna be heavy. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, that comes. I think as you curl with people longer too, you kind of get to understand how they deliver the stones and how your skips are going to call the the sweeping on or off. Um, I think a big thing when sweeping, if you're just going to go off a feel, you got to come out of the hack with, with the sweeper. You can't start halfway down the ice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good, well, we already touched on We that talked about that too, but. But yeah, I mean, all the sweeping stuff, you know, it's like be ready, be in the right position. Yeah. You know, uh, don't be chatting on sheet three when you're curling on sheet two. Yeah. You know? yeah. And being, being right over top of the stone too. I mean, there's things that get on the ice and that's really going to affect the playing surface. You see a rock pick, you're not going to, you're the first one that's going to know that yep. you have to get on that rock yep. as opposed to a shooter, unless it takes a stiff left turn. Then you know something's wrong, but that's, that rock's gone at that point. Yep. So, um, any other things that we can touch on? Like I, like I said, this is going to be kind of a two part episode when we can talk about hand signals and how to communicate on, on the ice, especially in a noisy rink. Like ours has how a week. How do we talk so long? By the way, I mean we're. I was. We were planning this episode. I was like, well, it's okay if we have a fifteen-minute one, and we're at twenty-seven thirty. Holy smokes! Yeah, we got a half-hour one again. All right. Well, um, I guess anything else you want to touch touch on before we get into next week's episode, where we kind of continue the conversation. Um, if you listen to this podcast, 
thank you for listening to this podcast yeah. and us just go on here and, and just talk nonsense <laughs> at you for half it's, hour. I, I hope people uh, find a little bit of value in this. Uh, I know we started it just as something fun to do. And yeah, when you get, when you suggested it, I honestly, I, I thought it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, we should get together sometime. You're like, oh yeah, for sure. Let's totally do that. And then it's like five years later and you're like, yeah, we've never hung out. Um, it was saying like, oh yeah, let's do a podcast. Oh, for sure. And then showed up with the equipment. Oh. Yeah, I can do a podcast. And here we are, three episodes into the number one curling podcast in Minot, North Dakota. Exactly. Well, maybe all of North Dakota. Maybe. We might have that distinction. We'll have to do some research. Without looking into it at all, I would say it's true. Uh, you can hop on all major platforms and give us a five-star rating and make us the number one curling podcast in North Dakota if you haven't done so yet. And again, uh, like I said at the end of the last podcast, too, was if you have any ideas, any topics, anything you want us to talk about, shoot us an email yeah. um, to... Minor curling, Minor at, curling at gmail.com. At gmail.com um, or leave a review if there's anything you want us to hear us uh, jabber about for longer than we usually plan on. Uh, that's the way to do it. Yeah, leave us a review. Um, you know, if you're a club member, you probably know who we are. Uh, just come up and talk to us too. You know, some episode ideas we've kicked around too. Um, I, I, I'm thinking I want to do like a history of curling or a history of the Minot Curling Club. Um, I think that would be a good episode to do. Um, we want to do an interview series. So if you have a unique perspective or there's somebody that, uh, you know, kind of regionally that you would maybe like to hear from, um, let us know who they might be, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. we're open to all. All ideas and all inputs, uh, good or bad. Um, obviously, if, if it's bad, I'd prefer if you kept it to yourself, but I, we got pretty thick skin. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now as thick as I think, but, you know, thick <laughs> right. enough. Um, so I guess we're, we're going to leave it there. Yep. yep. Uh, we're going to get into communication a little bit more next week. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we're going to try and put these out weekly. I seem, It seems to be going good. So, um, all right. Well, that's episode three of Between Two Sheets. Uh, I'm Nolan Axton. I'm Wesley Mason. Thanks for joining us, uh, and next time you see Clay, make sure you just give him a little poke in the ribs and, and make fun of him for missing out on this one. Uh, but that's all for, for this ep- uh, episode edition episode. I didn't know what I wanted to say there. This episode of Between Two Sheets. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye.